0: BCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk.
1: And we thank you for joining us on Crosstalk here on VCY America. Ladies and gentlemen, religious rights are under attack around our country, and it's happening often in the public square. And it's not just religious rights, but parental rights are also under attack, where the state has become the, the surrogate parent and actually pits children against their parents in a variety of settings. As such, our guests today, along with his team, are there to uphold religious rights and parental rights. We welcome to Crosstalk Brad Dacus, the president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. Their mission is to defend without charge the religious freedoms, parental rights, and other civil liberties of individuals who cannot defend themselves. Brad previously served as legislative assistant to U.S. Senator Phil Graham. He uh, received his Juris Doctor from the University of Texas School of Law. He has testified before the U.S. House of Representatives, before the California State Legislature, and with us here today. Brad, thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, thank you. It's great to be on the program.
1: So we're going to be talking about religious liberty and parental rights uh, here on the program, but I'd like to first get your assessment of yesterday's elections. I mean, results from Ohio indicate voters there enshrined the right to kill a preborn baby in their Constitution. We know this is up to the time of birth. Uh, Ohio now classified as one of the most pro-abortion states. Uh, Ohio Right to Life called it the most dangerous initiative in Ohio history. We saw Virginia flip the full legislative body to Democrats to counter the Republican governor. Kentucky reelected their Democratic governor. Mississippi did reelect their Republican governor. Brad, what's your takeaway from yesterday's election?
2: Uh, a definite disappointment, uh, to say the least. Uh, it's sort of difficult to understand what happened in Ohio because that's a state that has been going red in terms of the you know the actual you know, presidential elections recently. Uh, and yet, they decided to, you know, to approve, you know, a, a, with a, a significant margin. I might add, uh, this amendment to their state constitution allowing for abortion all the way up to the, you know, the last day of moment before the baby's born, and, and for any reason whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's uh, barbaric, uh, it's outrageous, um, and so one has to wonder, uh, to some degree, to what extent did Christians turn out and vote, and then. To what extent did did the pastors, particularly those in the inner city, did they speak out uh, on this issue, or were they silent? And uh, uh, that's my big concern, is the extent to which pastors say in Cleveland, downtown Cleveland, and those areas, uh, decided to be silent and not speak up. And for that, they will be held accountable.
1: So, uh, Barrett, what do you say to the pastor who says, no, I don't get involved in politics?
2: Yeah, um, that's the same line that the... Church Lutheran church used uh, in Nazi Germany. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get involved. There were about 3,000 churches that uh, signed off on the, you know, the mandate of, of Hitler and, and joined the Nazi party, in essence. Then you had about 3,000 that were united against uh, Adolf Hitler's uh, and his, his hideous agenda to persecute the Jews. But then you had about 12,000 that were silent, And if those 12,000 had spoken up, then we would have had a different outcome with regards to World War II and the Holocaust and everything else. But they were silent in the same way. um, God holds us accountable not just for what we say, but also when we are silent. Uh, Ezekiel 3.18, to paraphrase, it says, you know, for just, it says, for if you do not warn uh, the wicked, other wicked ways that they might turn from it, um, turn from evil, uh, I will... You know, I will hold them accountable, but their blood I'll require at your hand. In other words, God holds us responsible for when we are silent and not speaking up against evil and killing, just killing in mass uh, the most innocent, the most vulnerable, precious pre-born babies all the way up to the end of ninth month is is just outrageous, it's inhumane, It's it's a... Uh, it'll be a curse on, on our nation, uh, I believe, in the, in the years to come, that the history will not will not look at us lightly um, in this regard, and and because it is such a huge strike against basic humanity and human dignity of life.
1: Yeah, so therefore we should really see that as not being a political issue. This is a biblical issue that mandates right. our involvement.
2: I- exactly, exactly. When the Bible's clear on something, like the saint of human life and recognizing uh, the unborn, even at, at the time of conception, and this was, you know, uh, Paul ta- or excuse me, David talks about this in the Psalms, etc., cetera. Um, then, then we know, and that this is not a negotiable. Anything that the Bible is very clear on, um, we have no choice. We have to speak up, and if we don't, then we're t- we're actually siding with evil. Yeah. Um, I've just read a recent book by Eric Metaxas called uh, "Letters to the American Church." Excellent book, and it gives a real clear parallel with what happened in Nazi Germany and how it's happening today. And unfortunately, uh, I am convinced that in Ohio, um, had a lot of these churches, particularly those in the, in the urban areas in the inner city, if they hadn't decided to speak up and choose this day to be a follower of the Lord instead of a, uh, you know, a, a political group, mm-hmm. um, we would have had a different outcome. And it's, it's, it's shame and disgrace upon the church For those that were silent uh, at this time, the the casualties will be very high. And I believe uh, the lack of blessing uh, or curse may be um,
1: resulting. And, you know, it's hard to imagine how our nation is so repulsed at the decapitating of children in Gaza, and rightly so, rightly so being repulsed, or the the images of burned babies and burned children there. But for some reason, we have no problem doing it in the womb. I mean, isn't this just a, a sad indictment on this nation? Yeah,
2: it really is. Um, it's it, it's it's very you know upfront. It's convicting, and people need to understand that when a, when the people, it's one thing for the Supreme Court to say, yeah, you have to allow for baby killing, uh, you know, for preborns. That's one thing, but when the people themselves have the opportunity and they can go to the polls and they can decide yay or nay, they are the ones making the decision. Then the culpability goes way up for the people of that state. That's what's happened in California. The people of California voted for it. We even have infanticide. You can kill a baby up to four weeks after the baby is born. Oh, my. Um, Yeah, in California. So the culpability is much higher. And biblically, God is a just God and allows um, levels of culpability to rise prior to judgment. I'm not saying what God's going to do. I just know that is what we've seen um, in the Bible, and particularly with the nation of Israel, so um, you know, I, I think this is a, a should be a huge concern uh, for everyone, uh, particularly those living in a state that has decided such such dastardly things as that.
1: and Indeed, friends, we saw judgment <clears throat> fall on this nation, or around the world, I should say, uh, back to the time of Noah, and uh, where man's heart, uh, they were filled with violence, uh, everything that was imaginable, all the evil intents were, were, were just showcased. And the Bible warns us, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, Brad, I'd like to also bring up another matter about Ohio, and this involves parental rights, and you've seen this firsthand in California parental rights under attack. But in Ohio yesterday, I saw a column on townhall.com. They, they put it this way. Parents have lost the ability to be involved in a key and dangerous component of their child's medical and emotional help. Uh, we're not only talking about abortion here, but we're talking about allowing children without parental approval or consent to receive puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, body body uh, mutilating surgery. Your response, because Ohio has now embraced this as well as, as what California is doing.
2: Yeah, this is, uh, once again, a huge uh, step in the wrong direction for Ohio, uh, which is known for being a much more level-headed state and, and reasonable and rational than than California, uh, particularly when it comes to the laws of nature and nature's God and issues relating to uh, to the Bible. Well, um, the Bible's very clear on this. Um, cutting off body parts uh, for whatever reason, for non-medical reasons, is is wrong. Masochism is wrong, particularly with regard to children, where it relate, re- results in permanent sterilization. Um, this, once again, is a should be a red, uh, ble- a red flashing light of warning uh, for the people of Ohio, and and what and what's going to happen, and what they're going to see happen, with lives uh, being uh, t- tremendously impacted and challenged in this regard. Um, you know, with, this is it's it's not it's not over. It's never over until till Christ comes. So mm-hmm. I. I want to exhort the people in, in all throughout the country, um, whether you, you've seen something like this already become law and, and move in the wrong direction, like Ohio, or, or perhaps even your state has moved in the right direction, um, this is a, not the time for complacency. And that's why we're, we are at PJI are actually helping churches across the country have voter registration Sundays. Um, you know, God's one who raises up and brings down when it comes to elections. But this is about our testimony of whether or not a church is, is truly, in my opinion, filled with the love of Jesus, because if they're filled with the love of Jesus, they're going to care about people outside their church walls. Uh, complacency doesn't exist where the love of Jesus is flowing. And if the love of Jesus is there, and they care about people outside their church walls, um, then generally speaking, they're going to express that in multiple ways, including voting. So uh, you know, it's a part of their testimony, and we're encouraging churches uh, to step up, do voter registration Sundays, and we at pji.org, uh, we can help them do that. It's very easy to do.
1: But what about the separation of church and state, Brad? <laughs> I mean, that's often what we'll hear. You know, in churches, you shouldn't be involved in doing this, but but uh, churches can legally do this, and churches are doing this.
2: Yeah, legally, they, they totally can. And we need to understand, you know, someone wants to ask me, they said, well, what kind of limitations should we put on a church? How, many, how much limitations should we put on churches when it comes to, to expressing uh, biblical worldviews in today's society? And I said, well, the real question is, what kind of restrictions and limitations should you put upon the conscience of the nation? Because historically, that is exactly the role that the church has played in critical times. Uh, as They've served to be the conscience of the nation that, that uh, compelled us to do the right thing and have the proper reforms that aligned with a a, a, a basic biblical worldview and and uh, love and, and concern for humanity, so uh, this is about churches simply doing their job and also not being silent about what God says is very clearly done now some some pastors will say, "Oh well, I have a secret church, so I just I just preach the gospel i, I don't want anyone to be offended well. If that's their attitude, they're not complying with Scripture because the exhortation um, from the Lord is not just go ye therefore and just and see people come to Jesus. It's, it's to have them baptized and discipled, mm-hmm. to be followers. And you cannot be discipling a congregation if you're just hitting on the, just the, the basic of, of just receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior and, and feel-good messages. It's, it's about exhortation and rebuke and reproof and and you know and and encouraging people in their their real walk with the Lord and do that we have to preach the full gospel which is the full word of God and including in how it uh, applies to the issues of the day that are so pressing on our nation
1: and friends remember that the preaching of the gospel itself is an offense so if you're going to carry that through we don't want to offend anyone then that church is not proclaiming the gospel uh... and and we are to do that and yes it may be an offense I, I i can remember talking with a, a former muslim brad and he said i am so glad somebody offended me you know with the gospel message that i was on my way to destruction needed to trust christ as my lord and savior and 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 but praise god he did but uh, but yes, he was offended by that. But we have to get outside our comfort zone and say, "Thus saith the Lord." Rather than ask the question, "Yea, hath God said?"
2: Yeah, um, it's 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 so important. And yet, you know, when we talk to uh, you know to the average American, they they often we often keep the things our attitudes and uh, to ourselves. And yet, you know, we're we're exhorted, you know, to, to preach the word in Second Timothy chapter uh, chapter three, actually into chapter four, mm-hmm. verse two. In season and out of season, we are to preach the word, whether it's popular or not, and uh, let the chips fall where they may. But as for me and my house, let us serve the Lord, and that should be the cry for all Christians
1: in America today. Amen. Brad Dakis is with us today, founder and and, uh, president of the Pacific Justice Institute. A quick break here. We're going to come back more into this area of religious rights and parental rights, but uh, not just spin spin our tires in the sand here. Uh, action steps you can take as well. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, is any progress being made in cloning attempts?
2: Chris, there is a lot of work in cloning going on these days, but all is not so rosy in clone land. Often when clones are born, they exhibit diseases which normally are restricted to older specimens. For instance, Dolly the sheep, the first mammal cloned, died of old age about the same time as her mother died of old age. Recently, four cloned pigs all died of old age-related diseases within six months of being born. This should make us stop and think before cloning humans. Are we going to have elderly babies? It's not really known yet. There are a lot of good reasons not to go ahead with human cloning. This is just one of them. It's best to go back to Genesis and recognize that humans are created in the image of God and therefore deserve protection.
3: Visit our website at www.icr.org.
1: You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Our guest today is Brad Dacus, the president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. And Tackling this issue of religious and parental rights. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Brad, you, through your ministry, just had a town hall meeting uh, that, that took place. It's available on your website, pacificjustice.org, for people to see. But uh, I want to point out some things there, because you dealt with an, a number of these areas of, of matters you're engaged in right now. You dealt with uh, what's going on in a number of public schools. Matter of fact, I, I believe even on this, you refer to the schools as being a spiritual death camp. Uh, tell us what you mean by that.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a term that I coined because I thought it was the best description of what we're facing. And for of so many Americans, you know, they have their children in public schools and they think, well, public schools, yeah, I remember I was in a public school and that's, yeah, I know what public schools are, uh, but they really don't because public schools have changed dramatically. Um, the LGBTQ movement and their propaganda and, and indoctrination materials um, goes all the way down to the kindergarten level. And many people think, well, it's just in in california uh... no it's in the fort worth school district it's in uh, st louis it's in school districts all across the country where the teachers union has a, a chokehold of control which is unfortunately in many many school districts, most school districts actually across the country so there, this is the progression and the victimization is is skyrocketing the number of children who are uh, confused now about their gender identity uh, because of the coercing of of these uh, public school messaging um, it's skyrocketing. It is. It's it's skyrocketing. There's nothing genetic. There's nothing biological about this. It's not some like some planes. You know, uh, sprayed some dust over people and they. No, this is because of what's being brainwashed and put into the children, and it's all the way down to, uh, once again to the kindergarten level. So this is, uh, and that's just dealing with LGBTQ. There's also, you know, uh, messages of hate, of of division, um, oppressor versus oppressee. Um, destroying so much work uh, that, uh, from a Christian biblical worldview, which is uh, to bring people together, to respect each other, um, uh, to look at each other as, as individuals. So we have a lot of, of, of baggage now in our public schools. Also is the fact that our public schools are going down in terms of their efficacy of, of just even educating and teaching. Uh, so it's, it's a real, real crisis and serious problem. Uh, fortunately, there are there are some actually some some great uh, back doors and, and windows opening up for some uh, other alternatives.
1: Yeah. Now, you also, uh, and I know you have been fighting uh, at Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, uh, you've been fighting for parental rights in this regard as well, because. Uh, there's a matter of children with gender dysphoria that they're being used to, uh, allowed to use the restrooms or locker rooms of the opposite sex. We're seeing the attack on girls' sports taking place, biological boys identifying as girls. Um, is there recourse that parents have in this regard?
2: Uh, yes, yes, there is. And, and we need to understand this is federal. The, uh, the administration, the White House, issued an executive order ordering all public schools receiving any federal money To allow teenage boys to go into girls' locker rooms and be naked in front of girls and look at girls, um, under the guise that the teenage boy has gender identity dysphoria. This is a federal mandate for school districts, as well as letting teenage boys compete in in female uh, sports. Um, And uh, so, this is a, a very, very serious nationwide crisis. Now, first off, on a state level, you're having some states resisting and pushing back, like Texas, for example, um, and even we even have, you know, some states considering just cutting off the federal funds so they don't have to engage and allow this kind of the hideous abuse of girls and women uh, take place. Um, but what parents can do on a local level, wherever they are, is they can put the school district on notice uh, that, and, and this could be also from a, a letter from a, a Christian psychologist, perhaps saying. Uh, you know, that this, uh, you know, to, for this girl to be visually violated on a regular basis or at any time uh, by a teenage boy or uh, from the opposite sex um, is, uh, would be harmful, damaging. Putting the school on notice uh, also puts them in a position so that if anything, if anything does happen and the boy does go into the girl's locker room and see the girl, uh, that the school district can be sued. And we at Pacific Justice Institute, I'll make this loud and clear, we are offering to sue represent parents, and sue any school district anywhere in America that openly and willingly uh, allows us to happen to the victimization of, of, of young people. Um, it's, it is horrific, and they don't have to have a prior letter from a, a Christian psychologist. It just makes the case that much
1: stronger. Yeah. And now, you've got resources at Pacific Justice that can be of help to parents. What's available? How can our listeners obtain them?
2: Yeah, well, first, I want to make it, uh, everyone know that uh, our, our name is Pacific Justice Institute, but the great news is we actually have more offices now on the East Coast than we do on the West Coast. We're all over the country, uh, th- um, 36 offices in more than 26 states across the country. So that's going to be a valuable resource to know that, that we can go in there uh, and uh, deal with school districts wherever they may be in the United States. But we have great resources like, you know, parents' rights, uh, materials on our website, um, how to reclaim your school, how to legally evangelize public schools. But We also have some great information about homeschool co-ops, uh, how churches, small churches, may not have the resources to start a private school, but they can start a homeschool co-op. These are booming across America, and we're very encouraged about that, and, and of course uh, also helping private Christian schools uh, give independent study programs and other alternatives as they deal with uh, the huge burgeoning number of of parents wishing to take their kids out of public schools.
1: So what's the contact information? How can these be obtained?
2: It's really easy and it's all without charge. You can just go to pji.org P for Pacific, J for Justice, I for Institute dot o-r-g. They can also sign up to get our Legal Insider Newsletter, which is really helpful. We right now have over 220 cases in active litigation all across the country. All our cases we take on without charge we don't just uh, cherry-pick a few high-profile cases. So we're there to, to make sure that people get the help they need so they should not hesitate to contact us and also decide to get our free e-newsletter.
1: Again, that's pji.org, and you'll find the information available there, org, And uh, we'll also seek to get a uh, – do you have the phone number handy as well, Brad?
2: Yeah, the number is 916-857-6900, 916 857 and two, two more resources that just came to my mind. Uh, one is uh, dealing with uh, opt-out forms. We have customized for each of the states, with with the state laws of each state taken into consideration. Those are free also for downloading. Every parent, if they have a child in a public school, should take full usage of those. Take full advantage of those. They're not they're not going to completely shield a child. It will give some some limited protection. The other thing is we have. An article: Twelve Steps to Protect Your Child from CPS or Social Workers. Another name for social workers. Um, and they can download that for free. Every parent, where they ha- where they have a child in a homeschool, public school, wherever, uh, that's something they should have on hand. They should download that and have that available. Because oftentimes, when the social worker knocks on the door or calls, um, there's not much time to, to know what to do. They need to know ahead of time what to do. And we strongly, strongly encourage every parent in America, to download that information, 12 Steps to Protect Your Children from CPS. Um, the stakes are very high across the country,
1: unfortunately. And, friends, again, the website, pji.org, pji.org. Uh, we know that uh, some of you are in rural areas where Internet access is not so possible. You can reach out to them, 916-857-6900. That's 916 857 6,900. Uh, Brad, we're talking about uh, certainly parental rights, but we know that religious liberty is also under attack around this nation. Uh, tell us what kind of issues you're seeing uh, that crop up and how you're addressing this at the Pacific Justice Institute.
2: Yeah, I just uh, recently uh, spoke at a, a conference put on by the American Christian Schools International, ACSI, uh, and one of the things I talked to them about is how, how private Christian schools are not... You know immune from from attack, and a classic example was actually dealing with a private Christian school in a church that had a a preschool in Southern California, San Diego county. Uh, this preschool was raided by police, and the reason uh, initially was because a few of the children little preschoolers had what were not wearing their mask, and the state of California has been very tyrannical unlike you know freedom loving states red loving you know red states um, they have been very dastardly and Any way they can attack religious institutions that are not bowing the knee to this this radical um, ideology. So, but what they found out, though, they also said, "Well, wait a minute. Um, You're you're having these little children hear Christians, you know, sing Christian songs, and these kids are learning Bible stories. Um, That's illegal in California. Preschools cannot have that in California. Um, And so that's uh, also part of the, the suit. They shut down, completely shut down this wonderful Christian preschool." and we at PJI uh, are aggressively uh, going to bat for uh, for this school and we we filed a major lawsuit uh, against uh, the these authorities with San Diego County um it, what happens there can happen in other places so we're trying to nip it um to uh, prevent it from happening again and again
1: you know I, I find it interesting that in some cases uh and i think it's in California where parents have to be notified of the after school bible clubs but not about other clubs
2: right um, and that's something else that we've been dealing with as well, is whenever we see unequal treatment of a Christian club versus other clubs, um, we love to jump on that and, uh, and uh, to challenge that kind of uh, clearly bigoted, uh, hate-filled uh, actions and policies, intolerant attitudes and policies by school districts. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's uh, not that rare to see that happen. It's actually pretty common. And uh, it's just a matter of actually oftentimes these clubs and others knowing uh, that, that we're here to help them and serve them without charge.
1: Friends, uh, th- these are issues that Pacific Justice Institute is engaged in at this time, but uh, they were taking cases uh, all over the country regarding parental rights and religious liberty rights as well, but Brad, I, I just shudder every time I see some new legislation that's being proposed in California that that uh, is coming through the legislative process. The governor just seems, uh, you know, gleefully ready to sign anything that comes into, uh, it, it passes the legislative process. And if, if it doesn't go that direction, we'll do it by executive order here. And uh, many people say, well, oh, that's just California. But we have to recognize what starts in California often makes its way. So it will start out on the coast and then work its way to the center part of the country.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's that's very true, actually, and uh, it'll start, you know, oftentimes on the West Coast, sometimes on the East Coast, but they make their make their way all throughout the country, mm-hmm. uh, first with the blue states, and then pushing into to cities, um, you know, do, dominated by people who are not tolerant towards people of faith in cities like even like Dallas, the city of Dallas proper, Houston, Austin, and, and places like that, and then they. Uh, then vibe to have it uh, in in the states uh, so it's it's very incremental uh, but it's it's this is this is the the methodology. Get it passed in a in a radical legislation and in then one state or two states, and then from there they tried to build it um, to that incremental approach so it's it 's very dangerous we 've seen uh, terrible terrible laws violated by parents' rights in California just recently in fact, Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law a provision that allows uh, the government, allows the school district, the school, to take a child from the parents without any due process. And this is even worse than social work, at least social workers have to get a, a warrant from a judge um, to do it uh, to take but no, they, they can just take the child, put the child in a mental health place, and start you know the, uh, the coercing and the grooming towards transgenderism, um, so long as the child allegedly says, yeah, golly gee, I think I want this. I want to. I want to get. Uh, I want to be in a medical pl- uh, psychiatric place. So that's how easy it is in California now. It's very very dangerous, and that's one another reason why so many parents are leaving states like California, like New York, Oregon, and Washington, and uh, and moving to freedom loving states like Texas, Tennessee
1: in Florida. We're going to take a quick break. In a few moments, we'll be opening phone lines, friends, so stand by. But uh, we're going to probe our guest uh, one more time here on how the church fits into all of this. Uh, What is the call of the church for such a time as this? Brad Dacus is with us, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute, their website, pji.org. Back in one minute, here on Crosstalk.
3: For thousands of years, mankind has been fascinated with the question of what will happen in the future. Many have turned to palm readers, horoscopes, or a myriad of psychics for answers. However, one of the places people have refused to look is at the pages of Scripture. Jesus himself was asked by his disciples, "'Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world?' Jesus responded in the Olivet Discourse recorded in Matthew chapters 24 and 25. Bible prophecy teacher and pastor Richard Schmidt addresses and explains these powerful prophetic chapters in his book, Tribulation to Triumph, the Olivet Discourse. VCY America is making available this book for a donation of $15 or more. For your copy of Tribulation to Triumph, Call
1: 1-800-729-9829. This is Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. Brad Dakus is our guest today, the president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute and... As Brad mentioned, they have opt-out forms for every state in the country. Also online, the 12 Steps to Protect Your Child from CPS. You can download it to pji.org. If you have further questions or you just can't get it that way, I reach out to them, 916-857-6900. That's 916-857-6900. Uh, Brad, and I know you had this at your town hall meeting the other day, but I, I think it's important to, to point out, uh, it was back in 19, 1863, 1863, where President Lincoln called for a, a National Day of Humiliation, fasting and prayer, and spoke about you know all the prosperity that we have as a, as a nation and all these things, but... But we have forgotten God and called on the nation to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and for his forgiveness. And, Brad, I can only imagine what he would say today if he, if he were alive during 2023.
2: Yeah, uh, it is shocking to see what has happened, not just in the last 150 years um, or, or less. It's, it's just within the last 10 years, the last five years. Yeah, um, It is so—we've we've gone down so— so fast in such a, a horrific way, uh, and then even spiritually. You know, uh, the Barna uh, Polling Institute. You know, they've uh, you know released information, and uh, I was very disappointed to see that uh, those professing to be followers of Christ have been you know pretty parallel, pretty you know even um, for much of our history. But then suddenly, just within the last ten years, that number has fallen dramatically. Um, so we see there's major spiritual uh, warfare taking place. Part of that, I think, comes from complacency, um, which is a sin uh, for us to be complacent and not share the gospel, not live our faith, not stand up for righteousness. Um, and so uh, it, it, it's happening in our country. And uh, one of the problems is, is that the church will be faced with more and more persecution, potentially, um, if this trend continues. It's... Uh, um, you know, but we, we know that the Lord, nothing takes God by surprise. So the key exhortation here is not to worry, not to be depressed, uh, but just to be faithful with what God's given us and to trust in him um, and uh, that he you know knows the uh, the the final outcome and, and what what's going to happen.
1: Friends, our phone number to Crosstalk one eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine. Your questions uh, for our guest today or brief comments, one-eight hundred seven three three nine eight two nine parental rights under attack all across this nation, religious rights under attack across this nation as well, Uh, 1-800-733-9829. So, Brad, where does the Church fit into all of this? What is the Church's role and responsibility for such a time as this?
2: Uh, Well, first, it is uh, to be obedient and to preach the Word, the full Word of God, and apply it to the issues of the day. Uh, you know, it's, it's insane when you see pastors saying, I'm going to preach the Word, but I'm going to skip anything that's applying to issues of the day. Basically, you're, you're, you're reducing the relevancy of the Scripture. The, God's Word is not a historical document. It's a, it's a life guide. It's something we're supposed to apply in our lives, uh, as well, of course, being you know an accurate statement of history. Um, and so that's number one. I would say pastors preach the Word, the full Word of God, and the extent to which you are silent is the extent to which you are not being faithful uh, with where God has put you. And, um, and there will be accountability. God is a just God, and he holds us accountable to that which he he's given us, and to them, to whom much is given, much is required. And we do when we don't rise up to those levels, um, then that is a, a, a very, very serious um, uh, in terms of, of relinquishing what God's given us to do and, and the consequences. The second thing I would say is, Um, churches need to exhort their people um, to vote righteously and to vote and to make it possible. I've personally, I see no reason why churches across the country, why they don't all have voter registration tables in the back uh, at the end of the service on Sunday morning. Or, you know, Jerry Farwell, the Reverend, late Jerry Farwell, Farwell, he would pass them out, um, have the ushers come down, pass them all out to everyone who's not registered, fill those out, and then we're all going to stand and sing, Onward, Christian Soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wanted to make sure every single person in his church knew the Word of God and uh, knew biblical worldview and uh, was registered to vote and exhorted to vote. Um, if churches and pastors took to heart what was the, the atrocities happening, uh, they would get involved. You know, I, I, once saw, I heard an elder of a church, um, and I was surprised, the evangelical church. And he said about election, he said, well, abortion, yeah, that's just, you know, one of, uh, of a you know, number of issues. Um, and I was shocked. This was an elder, an elder of a, an evangelical church, looking at, at things that are an abomination as just another issue. It's like if someone in, in Nazi Germany saying, yeah, you know, the Holocaust, yeah, I found out about that. But, you know, that's just one of a number of issues. And I really mm-hmm. think that Hitler's really good in, on, on, you know, X, Y, and Z, he's doing good on infrastructure. You'd just be stunned because say, that is not a biblical worldview. That's not a biblical priority. Um, life is a priority. Saving masses from being killed wrongfully—that's a priority. Preventing children from being led to slaughter through the transgender activism movement and grooming them on a massive scale, which is happening in our public schools, that is not a minor issue. That's a major, major issue that Jesus would be crying over, I believe, if we saw him today in our public schools. Um, and so we need to be passionate and loving, and um, and getting our people taught in the Word, biblical, with a biblical worldview. Uh, register to vote and to vote and uh, to not do so it's it's a it's a mark on our testimony of whether or not yeah. the love of christ is living and real or is it just a a, a doctrinal statement uh, that we you know that we talk about on sunday
1: morning yeah and as per a recent guest on our program william j federer silence equals consent and uh that's yes. that's very much it, the case uh, charlie is calling from lodi wisconsin charlie you're on the air
0: Yes, thank you for your show. Excellent uh, speaker, and I want to thank that man for all the work that he does pro bono. But briefly, as far as abortion goes, and I'm talking with experience, uh, if they say that the mother's life is in danger and that's the only way we'll do this, please do not be deceived. I know a woman uh, personally who they said, well, we're going to have you see a psychiatrist and just say that you're suicidal if you have this baby and there's lots of ways around this, and the abortion took place, and it's very sad. So, yeah, yeah. it's all about the money. It's very evil, and again, thank this man personally for the
1: work that he does. Great, thank, thank you, too. thank you. And wow,
2: uh, I'm really glad he mentioned that, um, actually, because uh, it's it's true. We can you know we can pass righteous laws, um, but you know evil will try to find any way it can to get around to it, uh, get around it to continue the, the evil deeds of killing preborn babies. Um, and so I'm glad he mentioned that because that's something I hadn't heard of, but um, I, it's, it sounds like that's something else that needs to be addressed uh, by legislators, particularly in pro-life, uh, loving, caring states.
1: Let's go to Carl next, Erie, Pennsylvania. Carl, you're on the air.
0: Uh, well, I would just like to say that all of these problems we're having comes back to the judges because these judges know what the Constitution says, but they're not upholding the law.
1: Well, and we're going to thank you for that comment. I'm going to have you address that. But uh, in many cases, it's the people who put judges into their position as well. And so we got a problem there. And I'm going to be called from Erie, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania just had a Supreme Court race yesterday as well, Brad, that uh, voters uh, put on a liberal candidate and understand into that position.
2: Oh, and that's it's so it 's so serious when we see that happen um, you know many people think, well, judges are just appointed by the by the presidents of the Senate. well, federal judges are, but we have two different judicial systems and and by the way, the judicial appointments of the former president has been historic for religious freedom, the sanctity of life parents' rights i mean it 's just been absolutely incredible and has enabled us to get tremendous work done. Uh, righteously for a biblical worldview to save the lives of countless thousands and thousands across America. Um, but yet on the statewide level, those justice judges um, are generally, they're voted on and approved by the people. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important for people to understand um, that you know when they vote, they need to find out, is this judge a righteous judge or not a righteous judge? Uh, and there's great resources. Uh, you know, We have Pacific Justice Institute on our website as we get closer to elections We'll have resources for all 50 states and voter guides where people can go and take a look and get uh, information about you know, the different judges, what their positions are. But we, you know, we've seen it recently. I'm not going to get into too much details, but we have recently have seen judicial tyranny for the sake of politics instead of for the sake of justice. Yeah, indeed. And it is outrageous. We the people are partly responsible because a lot, most of these cases I'm hearing about are coming from state courts where the people are the ones responsible for approving these,
1: these judges. And, friends, according to another recent guest on Crosstalk here, they indicated that as they have traveled the country, half of, of evangelicals are not registered to vote. And on Election Day, only half of those who are registered actually go and vote. And uh, it, it, we, it's a stewardship. Friends, we, when we have a vote, it's a stewardship before God on how we use that vote. Jerry is calling next from Whitewater. You're on the air, Jerry.
0: Yeah, uh, Sam, that uh, um, option or issue one in Ohio, uh, Pastor Ernie Sanders, uh, he's been doing his program for 50 years, what's right, what's left out of Cleveland, he said they had signs up, uh, they had like twice as many signs up, and he said the churches were promoting it, there were signs all over the churches, uh, in the churches, and he was happy about that because he said that they were not uh, very... Prevalent when it when it went through a couple of months ago and it got uh, denied, and he said that they were having issues and the police were behind him and everything looking for uh, George Soros. He was he was just he had people all
1: over that state. Big money was they, put in from outside sources, liberal monies, uh, uh, leftist organizations, big time.
0: Yeah, and they were stealing the signs. Uh, the liberals were stealing the signs and. Pastor Ernie Sanders talked about it on his program that you know, he's on Monday through Friday, what's yeah. right, what's left.
1: Thank you, Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- this is an issue, uh, Brad, too. I mean, where we see, you know, those who have uh, th- those who deny God have, have really, uh, th- they love death. And, and they will go to all, you know, there, there's no extent to their end as to what they will do to, you know, come into states here to, to persuade the vote. And there are some big monies that were going into Ohio on this issue.
2: Yeah, it, it is, it is uh, unfortunate, and there is a, also an element of of voter fraud that comes into play oftentimes in elections more t- more today than than uh, just uh, ten or twenty years ago. Um, and we, have, with Pacific Justice, are actually helping churches uh, to uh, rec- you know recruit their people in their church to be poll watchers and poll workers. Uh, poll workers are actually paid, and they count the ballots. Poll watchers are people who volunteer, and they watch the counting. And make sure that there's not corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know. About, I know of a congressional race just recently um, in uh, Southern California, and had there not, had the church not been involved, and had poll workers and poll watchers, uh, more than 350 votes that were corrupt and fraudulent would have counted, and someone else would be sitting in, in that, that seat in, in uh, Congress. But instead, they caught it. They caught the corruption, um, and of course, we see it on a wide scale. And uh, that's you know as we look at elections coming forward, that's something that Christians need to be willing to to step up and do to be poll workers, poll watchers for every poll in America and uh, to, uh, to, to start really uh, holding holding things uh, and, and individuals accountable f- uh, to prevent fraud and corruption, which has been far too much of
1: a problem. Recently. We're going to take a quick break. So Pam, stand the line. Kaya, Mary, others, stand the line. We'll get to your calls right after this uh, one-minute break. Brad Dacus is our guest today from Pacific Justice Institute, their website, pji.org, pji.org, or you can reach out at 916 6900, back in one minute, here on Crosstalk.
4: For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Many people today are defending the so-called Palestinian state and Hamas, flying the Palestinian flag. But what do they really know about Hamas? Article 13, the Covenant of Islamic Resistance Movement, this is the document of Hamas, states, quote, there is no solution for the Palestinian question except through jihad. Initiatives, proposals, and international conferences are all a waste of time and vain endeavors, end quote. And then there is Article 7 of the Hamas Charter that calls for the day of judgment, will not come until... Muslims fight the Jews. When the Jew will hide behind stones and trees, the stones and trees will say, oh, Muslims, oh, Abdullah, there's a Jew behind me. Come and kill him, end quote. Hamas is a terrorist organization founded in 1987. I don't think Christians should be defending this group at all.
1: listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Our guest today is Brad Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute, talking, uh, well, in defense of religious and parental rights here, primarily in the program today. And uh, going right back to the phone lines, uh, holding the longest is Pam yeah. in Danville, yeah, Kentucky. Really- Pam, you're on the air.
5: Okay, thank you.
1: Pam, you're on the air. Please go ahead.
5: Brad, I just I just wanted to know if
0: you would talk to the idea of the separation of church and state as it relates to um, the schools, and in particular, the Christmas holiday.
1: Okay, so there are schools, as you know, Brad said, no religious music. Uh, one school, I think, was Houston, said no green and, and red. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's so unfortunate. There's just a, a lot of ignorance. and, and uh, But no, actually, there's a tremendous freedom and liberty to acknowledge Christmas is a national holiday, and you know, They can have decorations. They can sing uh, you know, songs uh, uh, about Christmas, not just secular, but also Silent Night and, and other songs. Um, and they can even have, for a temporary period of time, they can even have like, a little nativity scene in the classroom for instructional purposes. We talk about that and other things uh, to evangelize in public schools in our book, Reclaim Your School, which you can download for free on our website, tji.org uh, but uh, Christmas is a great time for for uh, students to to be exposed to something very positive and uh, and encouraging in our in our nation, which is a, the hol- the Christmas holiday. And you know, the sad thing is, a lot of kids have no idea what what Christmas is, mm-hmm. where it came from. Um, they should, whether they're Christian or not, they should understand that. It gives more understanding, gives greater. Um, compassion and, and accommodation, and I think that's just a, a, a good principle to follow.
1: Great. Again, that's called "Reclaim Your School." That's a document on your website.
2: Yeah, it's a free book. It's actually a it's a published book, but we went ahead and put it on the website. People mm-hmm. can download the book for free at the website, um, and it's, it's it's really equipping in terms of parents, pastors, students, teachers, even school board members. Has model policies for school districts and school boards to adopt, which can be very helpful to parents who are involved their local school boards.
1: Pam, thanks so much. Let's go to Kaya in Gaston, South Carolina. You're on the air.
5: Okay. Um, So, okay. Thank you. So, um, my question is, um, I'm blind and visually impaired, blind visually impaired, and um, I wanted to actually, I I told my parents, hey, um, I should go to a a Christian school, because the schools for the blind, they're, you know, they're just like the state schools. They brainwash the children, they teach all kinds of stuff about genders and sexual orientations, and, you know, even teachers saying stuff like, God doesn't have to be male, God can be female, mm-hmm. and, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Oh. And, yes, and, and um, you know, I... When I was 12 and a half, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Wonderful. And praise the Lord, I got a Bible when I was 14. He made a way for me to, to mm-hmm. get access to a Bible when I was 14 and audio and in Braille. Um, and, you know, like the, 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 I'm kind of concerned for the parents of the blind and visually impaired mm-hmm. that are Christian because, you know, the Bible says we're supposed to. Parents are supposed to train their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and teach their children to, to, you know, follow the Lord and and raise their children up with biblical values. And you can't—when you're sending your child off to a specialized school for the deaf and the blind, you're, you're trusting in someone who you don't even know and you don't even trust to raise your children up in a place that's funded by the state and they are brainwashed, and they're not Mm -hmm. teaching the children biblically. So I wonder if there is a way for blind and visually impaired people to get um, independent living skills and get a Christian education.
1: Sure, Kaya, and for sake of time here, I'm going to have our guest respond to that, because time is going very quickly. Uh, Any thoughts uh, for Kaya here, Brett?
2: This is new to me. I've never heard this before, uh, in this kind of um, indoctrination taking place it's, it's, it's at places, schools for the blind. Um, and I would encourage them to contact our office and let our legal team take a look at it and see what we can do. And we, of course, would look at the laws in your state as well uh, to see what we can do, because um, it's a unique situation. Students are, mm-hmm. are boarding there, they're living there away from their families. Um, there should be uh, you know the proper scrutiny. And sensitivity to parents and their their wishes and in those situations. Um, So yeah, please please contact us, um, and we'd love to look into this much more thoroughly.
1: Great, Kaya. We'll be giving a phone number here in just a little while, and. And uh, let me just also mention, I mean, one of the affiliates here of Crosstalk is Pensacola Christian College. And and uh, they have video series to help, uh, you know, for homeschooling purposes. And, uh, and I'm confident the audio from there will be beneficial as well. And that may be another resource there for you. Uh, Mary in Palmyra, Wisconsin, you're on the air.
5: Yes. Hi. Good afternoon. Um, I just wanted to bring light to um, the abortion topic. Um I'm just a little confused and wondering if others out there feel the same way. Um, why is it when a woman who is pregnant with child, um, when she is, uh, sadly there have been a couple instances, and there is one just recently where a woman was killed due to a car accident, and the person who is negligent, um, they are charged with two murders. Mm-hmm. instead of one. So mm-hmm. murder of the mother and murder of the child. Mm-hmm. But yet, everybody is in all in favor of abortion. Yeah. I just don't understand that.
1: Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to rationalize that, Mary. Brad, we've got 40 seconds your comment here.
2: Uh, she's absolutely correct. Um, bottom line is, if someone is a person, for one thing, they should be a person for other things. We don't suddenly not become a person because of environmental factors that come around us and circumstances. So it, you're right. Whenever we violate the laws of nature nature's God, we have confusion. We have inconsistencies and injustices, and she spelled it out very clearly, and that's why we need to be compelled to, to step up and protect the preborn. They're either a person or they're not a person, and if they're a per person in terms of murder, Uh, prosecutions, and they're also a person to be protected from all murder, including that from an abortionist.
1: Thank you for the call, and I wish we had time for more calls. Our closing music is running, so we're sorry to other callers yet on hold. Brad is with us from Pacific Justice Institute. Their website, pji.org, pji.org. Their number, 916-857-6900. That's 916-857-6900. Brad, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. And friends, thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. Let's be salt, let's be light.
0: You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America.